millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is the Cork Today Replay on C103. As we welcome you along to a Wednesday's edition of the programme, hoping everybody is in good form this morning. Our lines are open at 1850-333-103. John Paul standing by to take your calls. You can text your WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. And I can already see some texts coming in about the budget and the budget very much was overshadowed by Brexit. We knew it was going to be a very cautious budget so there isn't really anything in there, particularly if you're feeling like a hard pressed uh, worker. There's nothing really to get excited about. There's nothing extra. There's nobody talking about what you're going to spend, any additional money you're going to make uh, on it, because really the underlying tone of the whole budget yesterday was Brexit and what will happen if there is a crash out Brexit. We now know that there is a 1.2 billion euro package that will be available that will provide for a soft landing if there is a hard Brexit even though that 1.2 billion we don't have all of that away in a kind of a little a little nest egg waiting to be spent if God forbid there is a hard Brexit we will have to borrow half of it 650 million will be borrowed if necessary but of course it'll only be borrowed if there is a hard Brexit and if there isn't it also means the flip of it is there'll be 650 million that they will be able to spend in in somewhat of a, a giveaway for some sectors in society but only time will tell on that one the big one that we've been talking about and certainly we've been talking about for the last two days much advertised increase in carbon tax and exactly as was predicted it has gone up by €6 per tonne. But when you talk to people and and I know over the last couple of days when we were talking about you know carbon tax €6 per tonne people think what does that mean what you know for individual families how much is that going to how much extra am I going to have to put away for this carbon tax? What is carbon tax? Asher, I'm grand. I I know nothing about I don't pay carbon tax or do I? Yes, we do. Unfortunately, we we all pay carbon tax. It'll translate into it's about two, I think it's two cent on diesel and just a little under two cent for a litre of petrol. That came in from midnight last night. That works out at about a euro per tank fill, which isn't a lot. But when you're when you do that up over the year and if you're already struggling to fill your tank and you're already struggling on a very limited budget, then all of those one 
euro per tank and say you fill your tank every week that's 52 euro across the year that you'll have to find the carbon tax will also mean on a bale of briquettes when it comes in on fuel it'll be 16 cent extra on a bale of briquettes 72 cent on a bag of coal home heating oil will be more expensive it'll be various different charges for example if it's natural gas you'll expect to pay about 14 euro or so extra a year but that could go even higher if gas suppliers decide to, to decide to put in their own additional extra charges. There's obviously uncertainty in the oil markets, particularly what's going on in the Middle East at the moment. But there will be about an extra... The carbon tax will put €15 Euro onto the price of a fill of oil, but your oil could also be higher with the uncertainty in the Middle East at the moment. If you put, use kerosene, an extra €15 Euro increase and of course that also all means that electricity prices will rise across the board as well but probably not electricity until May and certainly the home heating oil and the fuel costs they're holding back on that until after the winter get us into the spring so some would say you know that's a bit decent that they've done that but if you're commuting this morning and you're full of oil then your tank of diesel or your tank of petrol, you've paid for that immediately. Nothing really, you know, everything else, as I say, we have been talking about over the last couple of days. Fuel allowance is increasing by €2 Euro per week in the hope that that will offset the carbon tax. And the it's been done to alleviate fuel poverty, uh, obviously. So it will bring the fuel allowance, the weekly rate of the fuel allowance, to twenty four fifty per week. And it's paid out I'm open to question, but I'm sure it's 26 weeks, isn't it? It's paid out for us. So it'll go up to 24.50 per week. And somebody says, Patricia, what will they do with all the money that they raise from the carbon tax? Well, they're expecting in the first year to raise 90 million. Now, if you're reading the papers, and obviously the papers today are full of analysis of yesterday's budget and some are saying that this is not nothing to do with carbon this is just a cash grab on behalf of the government the government say it is not and the estimated 90 million euro that will be collected in carbon tax we've been assured by the minister is going to be ring fenced towards green investments which will see things like more cycle paths more greenways and more e-car uh, incentives and there was a number of things announced as well around the electric cars. I mean, eight million in grants for electric vehicles. They're going to double the amount of electric charging point points that will be installed by uh, local authorities. So they're doing a lot to try to get us away from what's seen as the dirtier cars, the diesel and the petrol cars. And they're saying that part of the money from the carbon tax will be ring-fenced for uh, that. No change in income tax. Again, we knew that that was going to happen. Unless you're self-employed, the earned income tax credit for self-employed is going up by an extra €150. There was a change on inheritance tax as well. Under health for the over 70s medical cards. Again, this was predicted about 56,000 over 70s will now be entitled to a medical card because they're changing, they're tweaking the means testing on the medical card for the over uh, 70s. They're saying an extra 25 million to reduce hospital waiting lists. We wish them well with that. Prescription charges. Well, one slight difference on this one. Prescription charges are to be reduced by 50 cent. When we were talking and speculating about this over the last two days, we were referencing that with older people in mind. We were told it was just going to be for the over 70s that the prescription charges were going to come down. But the 
prescription charges for everyone that has a medical card, your prescription charge will be reduced by 50 cents. So that's good. That's a bit of extra money in the pockets for people who have medical cards. And then if you don't have a medical card, but you pay for your medication under the drugs payment scheme, that has that cap has been reduced by 10 euro. Again, we were talking about that all week. One million extra home health hours. That sounds huge, does it not? But you break it down. We were talking about over 7,000 people who are on a waiting list for home health hours. You break down that one million extra home health hours. That's not going to go very far at all. I mean, for some, if they're very lucky, they might get an hour a day for five days a week. And you look at some cases and you think that really, if somebody is really struggling to lead an independent life, an hour a day, five days a week for home help doesn't go very far to helping people lead a fully independent life. They've done their bit on housing. Again, people will be critical saying not enough. Help to buy scheme. We spoke about that. That's remaining in place until 2021. There's an extra 20 million for homelessness services. Shocking that we even have to be putting that kind of money into homelessness services. They say 11,000 new social houses will come on board next year. We'll keep we'll keep our fingers crossed uh, on that one. The HAP scheme, the housing assist payment, 80 million euro extra going into into that. But again, that's just keeping a roof over people's heads. It's not giving people, you know, they're not, a lot of people say they're not very secure even with HAP because they're always afraid that the house that they're living in may be taken away uh, from them. There's funding for school book schemes. That's all to be welcomed in social welfare. As predicted, no increase for old age pensioners, but... Old age pensioners living alone, they'll get the extra five euro. There's also a ten euro increase for working family payment income threshold that has been welcomed by groups who are advocating on uh, behalf of working families. And the three, there's a three euro increase for qualified child payment for over twelves. That's targeted at the teenagers for families who are living on social welfare. All will say teenagers you know, much more expensive than a younger child. So there'll be an extra three euro for there. And for the children under 12, it goes up by two euro. So small, small increases uh, in social welfare. 700 extra Gardaí to be recruited next year. How many of them will we see in Cork? We're going to have to wait and see. As somebody pointed out yesterday, if there is a hard Brexit and we're back to a border situation, how many of those extra Gardaí will be sent to the border, which would be a worry in itself. Not everyone will be happy to hear an extra 10 million for direct provision, including new centres. It just doesn't say where the new centres will be. And then the cigarettes, they went up from midnight last night, 50 cent. And if you are a smoker, and I know very few smokers like being smokers, but they're addicted, 13 euro and 50 cent a pack. Oh my God. It's a huge sum of money uh, indeed. And I know I saw some people critical of this online that there wasn't enough given in social welfare yet there's a new tax relief for betting duty up to a limit of €50,000 per annum but I think what because people are saying what they're helping out betting shops and they can't help help out people who are unemployed but I think that's to do with the smaller betting shops they were trying to do something to help out the smaller betting shops so I'm, I'm assuming that's what it is and then for the farmers Two billion spend on rural Ireland in 2020. That includes a three million pilot scheme to help reduce emissions from uh, farming. As I say, no, there wasn't any real 
big surprises. I mean, at no stage during it, I think certainly did I or many other, did anybody hold their breath and go, oh my God, I didn't see that one coming, that's for sure. And that whole notion around, even though they're saying it's not decentralisation, there is a push to look at moving some of the civil servants out of Dublin and we certainly will keep a close eye on that. Your thoughts and your comments welcome to 1850 text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Some of your thoughts and comments coming in on Budget 2020. Hi Patricia, I'm a pensioner and after yesterday's budget I will never vote for Fianna Gael again. They are too mean. That's come in from John. Someone else by text saying everything that was given out yesterday by way of increases and there wasn't very many increases but none of those increases will come in until next year. The budget was all about the fat cats. And another texter says Patricia this this government created a time bomb in our city so now they want rural Ireland to carry the cam. We are spending hours every day commuting and burning tanks of fuel just to get us to and from the to and from work. The government got it wrong. All they want in rural Ireland is trees and bushes and then we're paying for the mistakes of the government. I'm assuming there's somebody living in a rural Ireland. And uh, Michael in Castletown Bear says, Patricia, yesterday's budget summary could be best described as little change and steady as we go depending on Brexit. If there is a no deal, we'll borrow. If not, we don't. The majority won't even notice the change, except the self-employed. They'll pay €150 a year less in tax. We will pay an extra €1.20 in a fill of petrol, which happens nearly every day, depending where you get your fill of petrol, because with the price variations between the different stations. And you'll pay €15 on a fill extra of home heating oil. Yes, 50 cents and a price of cigarettes. Not enough says Michael. Carbon tax is very light at €6 a year for every year until 2030. A €5 a week living alone allowance is very welcome to senior citizens. In the UK, you get nothing for living alone. And in the UK, you get £200 a year by way of a fuel allowance, whereas in this country they give out €637 a year. And I'm assuming, because Michael's really good at figures, that that's with the extra increase, the extra €2 that they're talking about uh, bringing in, which would be the equivalent of £570 if you were doing it in uh, sterling. So making the point that pensioners in Ireland are better off than pensioners in uh, England. That's a a good analysis, uh, Michael, as always. You're a very smart man, but it's a good analysis of yesterday's budget. Thank you for your WhatsApp to 086 to 103 103 and a couple of other ones coming in these are some carbon tax comments on our C103 Facebook page when we put it up I'm assuming this went up yesterday after it was announced Steve says it's merely a stealth tax I live in a rural area. How can I revert to public transport? Because it is virtually non-existent. Until you have a good, reliable and cheap transport system, you will not get people out of their cars, particularly in this neck of the woods. All of the governments throughout the world need to do is plant more trees, etc. They love CO2. They thrive on it. They're nature's filter. That's from Steve. 
Simi says the budget was outrageous. There is no mention of reducing cost of living and sick of all of the taxes being taken from my wages. Also, basic salary is looked at when issuing all kinds of allowance. I'm, I'm sure what Simi means there is the gross salary is looked at when issuing all kinds of allowances and things if you want to try and qualify for a medical card, uh, etc., a GP only card. But what comes in hand after tax is way below the means. It is worse things are getting in Ireland, uh, unfortunately. The budget giving out this the politicians giving out this budget do not really care about the common people. They are earning a fortune themselves. Pat says, when he was asked about the carbon tax, get on your bike for, for, for short journeys, carpool for longer journeys. Yeah, I heard somebody on a Vox Pop when they were on our news, when they were asked about carpooling, they were saying they don't know how to uh, carpool. I wonder, should, should the government look at doing something like that, setting up some kind of a service whereby, almost a bit like Uber, where you could type in where you are, where you're coming from, where you need to get to and see if there's anybody around on a carpool that other people would, you know, link into and you'd work out carpooling. And I think, you know, listening to that person saying, I'd love to carpool, but I don't know how to go about it. I mean, unless... The obvious one, if you drive to work and you're driving a distance and you drive from the same area with a work colleague and you know, you know you're know you both heading in the same road and whatever, it, it makes absolute sense that you carpool. But if it isn't somebody you work with, how do people organise carpooling? I know every now and again we will get a call in from listeners, usually quite frantic and desperate. They've either got a, they're trying to get to college or they've landed themselves a new job and they've discovered that for the time they need to be in work there isn't public transport available and we would often do a shout out to somebody willing to share expenses if they would be willing to give somebody a, a lift. So in that way we, we do our own little bit to help with carpooling but that's just a very small way of helping out. But I don't know what's the answer. How do we get people to carpool? What kind of a system do we need to put in place? And if you are carpooling how did you arrange it? How did you go about organising? How did you find out that there was other people in your area? And does it work out? I mean does it always uh, work out carpooling? Or are you in a situation where some evenings you're waiting around for your lift or if you're the driver you're ready to go home. The other people are not ready to go home. You can see all kinds of problems uh, arising as well. And then another Pat contacted us and this is interesting says on carbon tax there's no carbon tax on aeroplane fuel I did not know that what's the story with planes and their carbon emissions surely surely they have a huge carbon emission I wasn't I look into that I wasn't aware that there's no carbon tax on aeroplane fuel I know there isn't on the agricultural diesel the green diesel but I didn't know that it also didn't it isn't on air, aeroplane fuel. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And I can see a lot of calls and comments coming in on the uh, budget and I will get back to them. But I think everyone accepts that the issue of our times is climate change. So an increase in carbon tax in yesterday's budget was always going to be on the cards. But not everyone is happy with this increase. And I certainly can see a lot of angry calls and texts coming into the programme uh, today. But Solidarity and Socialist Party TD for Cork North Central Mick Barry is all 
also not happy about it. And Mick uh, joins me. Uh, good morning to you, Mick. Hi, Patricia. Uh, you're, you're welcome to the programme. Do you feel the burden of tackling climate change should go on the bigger corporations rather than on ordinary people? And it's ordinary people are going to be affected by the changes that were introduced yesterday. Yes, I do. Uh, 71% of all carbon emissions worldwide in the last 30 years uh, have come from 100 big companies. Uh, And what's being done with carbon taxes in Ireland and in other countries as well is that it's putting the burden for solving the climate crisis on the shoulders of working people and ordinary people as opposed to those big companies. So it's the opposite of the approach that I would take. So the announcement yesterday, €6 increase in carbon tax for this year, who do you see being most hit by that carbon tax increase? Well, there's a lot of talk uh, about rural Ireland will be hit uh, the hardest, um, and uh, I don't disagree with that. Um, But I would know, even I would even know personally, um, people who are working in the city, um, some of them are key workers, like nurses, uh, teachers, ambulance paramedics, firefighters, who simply cannot afford uh, to buy a house or rent a house uh, in the city uh, and are forced to travel into the county in order to find cheaper accommodation. Uh, and they go out to Mallow, they go out beyond Mallow. Uh, a lot of them would be in your catchment area for the radio program there. They're commuters who don't have any public transport alternative. And they're going to be hit. And an important point to remember here is that, um, you know, there's going to be carbon tax increases from here right up to the year 2030. Yeah, it's to get it to 80, isn't it? It's to get it to 80 euro. Yeah, it's 20 euro per tonne at the moment. It's to get it to 80 euro, which is quadrupling it. And I think we can expect carbon tax increases pretty much every year for the next 10 years. So what the government were doing yesterday is they weren't just adding uh, two cents onto your petrol and diesel for the next uh, fill uh, over the next year, Uh, but what they're doing is they're pointing the direction that they intend to go. And I do think I was just going to interject and and say to uh, Mick, he is right. uh, When people talk about the carbon tax and people talk about you know, the diesel and the petrol going up last night. And there is this element of, oh, it's rural Ireland is going to be most affected. And absolutely, I do accept people uh, in rural Ireland are going to be most affected by it. But Mick is highlighting a cohort and it's a big, big number of people who are living in rural Ireland and enjoying living in rural Ireland, but they have to commute into the larger urban areas, into the large cities, and they have to commute on a daily basis. So it's it's not just a rural issue, it, it's an urban issue. You're back with us, Mick. I don't know what happened somebody, there, somebody didn't pay, did, Somebody didn't pay the bill there. We, we got cut off. Um, OK, so the carbon tax is going to hit a huge number of people for many years to come. For many years to come. And there are alternative approaches uh, that can be taken. For example, one approach uh, that wasn't even considered uh, by the government, uh, I don't think, uh, was to follow the example of a number of other countries, to follow the example of 100 cities uh, worldwide now, and to introduce free public transport. Um. We got a, a glimpse of the effectiveness uh, of this in Cork City last year 
You'll remember the controversy about the uh, car-free Patrick Street. I do indeed. Yeah. Uh, and the traders were kicking up. And as a concession to the traders, um, Bus Aaron put on uh, buses at a one euro fare for a period of two months. Right? The, the reports show that there was a more than 8% increase in public transport usage. And that was when they cut it to a euro for a couple of weeks as opposed to making it free from here on in. That clearly indicates that if you made public transport free, there would be a shift of people from the car uh, onto the buses and the public transport facilities. Of course, it would be very important to say that there would also have to be a significant investment in public transport mm. to, put, to put more buses on the road and to make sure that they were, were not just green, but they were frequent and reliable as well. But probably uh, co- cost-effective when you look at the amount of money we're going to be fined if we don't get down our carbon emissions. Yeah, I mean, if you want to get down to the brass tax on that. If you were to introduce free fares in the morning, uh, it would cost the state €650 million, Euro, right? Yeah. Uh, if you were to uh, massively invest uh, in increasing the frequency and reliability of buses, uh, that would bring you up over the billion euro. But the state faces potentially five times that amount in fines uh, for not reaching its 2030 carbon emissions target yeah, if yeah. it continues on the path that it's on at the moment. So that's an investment that could be made. It's an investment that should be made. I heard the minister on the radio this morning saying that people need to think differently. You know, how does somebody living in the county who has to drive into uh, the city uh, for work five days a week think differently if there isn't a public transport well, that's, yeah, and alternative I, available. I, I'm looking at all the calls and texts uh, in front of me here on my screen and that's what everybody's saying. I'd love to be able to jump on the Lewis or the Dart. It's not outside my door. Someone else is saying even when we do have a bus it's not very reliable. Someone else says that my bus this morning was 40 minutes late so what services we have are not reliable and on and on and on uh, the list goes. Agree with your callers 100%. The fuel poverty and the two euro increase in fuel allowance, will that help in some small way? Well, the ESRI says that um, carbon tax is a regressive tax. In other words, it's a tax that hits people in the middle and people on lower incomes and who are poor disproportionately. The government's response to that is to say we'll increase the fuel allowance. There's two points to be made about that. First of all, uh, only one household in five qualifies for the fuel allowance. Uh, and there are plenty of people who, who don't qualify for the fuel allowance who struggle to make ends meet. But secondly, what's the increase that they've given? Two euro, two euro increase in the, in the fuel allowance. So you'd only, buy, um, you'd only buy a fire log with that. It's a joke, you know. It's, it's tipping the hat uh, to, to a situation as opposed to dealing with it in a serious way. But we all knew, Mick, that this budget was going to be a very cautious budget. It was, you know, in the, under the shadow of uh, Brexit. I mean, it, they couldn't, they couldn't give, have a giveaway budget, even though some would say with an election looming, they probably should have had a giveaway budget for, you know, to cover themselves, to protect themselves going forward. But they were brave enough to say, we've got to be cautious here. Okay, well, you raise an interesting point about uh, Brexit there, because it was uh, a Brexit budget. Um, the issue is not so much about giveaways. Uh, the issue is about um, who does the government intend to make pay in the event of a Brexit crisis. And they nailed the colours to the mast, and they made that quite clear yesterday. 
So let's compare and contrast, yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, a worker on the minimum wage uh, is on €9.80, right? Uh, there's a recommendation for an increase of a paltry $0.30 cent to at least bring it over the €10 euro mark for, 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 the for the 1st of January. Government indicated yesterday, Regina Doherty did, that in the event of a no-deal Brexit, not only that would they defer that minimum wage increase, which is what was being spoken of previously, but they would cancel it, lock, stock and barrel. So you'd be heading into the 2020s, and the lowest paid workers in the country would remain on less than €10 euro an hour. All right? So there you have an example of a Brexit burden being placed on working people, in this case, low paid workers. Now, what was the approach that was taken to uh, big businesses? Um, there was $1.2 billion put aside um, in potential state aid um, in the event of a Brexit crisis. Now, that would be funds that would be tapped into by small business uh, who would need it, uh, medium-sized business, although medium-sized business is technically a business that employs several thousand, but also big businesses. So you can have a situation where agribusiness is uh, hit by, uh, by Brexit, and uh, the big beef companies, the beef barons, um, you know, um, the beef industry, eight families control 80% of the industry. They've combined personal wealth of €2 billion. Euro. Have the, the right in that situation to put their hand out and look for state aid. Now, you might say, well, maybe they should be given the state aid if it saves jobs. But there's no conditions attached to it. There's no condition which says, we'll give you the state aid if you don't cut wages. We'll give you the state aid if you don't uh, make people redundant. Um, in that sense, it's a, black, a blank check. There should be state intervention uh, to, into agribusiness in the event of a Brexit crisis. There should be a, an intervention by the states to protect against wage cuts and to save jobs. But it should be done on the basis of taking the meat industry and uh, 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 those uh, big companies into public ownership. Okay. Um, All right. Okay. And like I see John in Mallow said uh, the people of Ireland did not cause Brexit. The pensioners, uh, those in the health service, the homeless people have nothing to do with Brexit. The pensioners not getting anything is a crying shame. Walk around Cork City any night and see the number of homeless people. There's nothing for the ordinary person in yesterday's budget. The multimillionaires won't be affected by this. But why we know Brexit is dangerous to Ireland, it's the ordinary man and woman uh, is the one that would be affected. All right. Just a very brief comment on a point that your, your caller made there about homelessness. Yeah. Because there was a 20 million increase uh, in the budget yesterday for, homeless, for homeless services. services yeah. And that's generally been welcomed. But a, a point that, a question that should be asked about that is does that mean that the government think that homelessness is going to stay high or rise over the course of the next uh, year? I mean, it's, it's been over the 10,000 mark. For seven consecutive months now, there was nothing in the budget which is going to put a major dent in that. It's clear that as far as Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil are concerned, there is now an acceptable level of homelessness, which is completely wrong.
Yeah, I did think the same thing when I heard that figure of, of 20 million for homeless services. I was thinking, isn't it a crying shame that for a 2020 budget we're even talking about having to put money, that kind of money, into a homelessness uh, services? Mick, we leave it there. We'll talk again. Listen, thank you for that. Thank and you. Uh, thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, that is uh, Deputy Mick uh, Barry uh, for Cork North Central. 1850-333-103. I will get through. the so many d- calls and comments coming in. I didn't think we'd be, because it was such a muted budget, I didn't think we'd be getting a lot of reaction but I can see a lot of calls and texts uh, coming in uh, on it and in the middle of it I've seen this we had calls in for no water in parts of Bantry this morning we've been on to Irish Water and they have confirmed that there is a burst water main and they hope to have water restored by about midday to the Bantry area You're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Okay, and we're going to stay on the budget and analysing the fallout from yesterday's budget. Last week, I spoke with Sean Moynihan, Chief Executive of Alone, the charity that supports tens of thousands of older people. And Alone, last week, was calling for a €7 increase per week in the state pension in yesterday's budget. Uh, Gronia Lochran is the Communications Officer with Alone, and she joins me uh, with their reaction to Budget 2020. Good morning to you, Gronia. Good morning, Patricia. Oh, well, you didn't, well, you're very welcome. You didn't get your seven euro. In fact, no uh, increase in the weekly payment except for the people that are living alone. You're very disappointed. We are. We're very disappointed uh, with, I suppose, the, the lack of support, really, for older people in this year's budget. And while we do welcome um, the increase to the Living Alone Alliance, um, it's something that that has been needed for some years now, and uh, the decision not to increase the pension uh, by at, at all, really, uh, not even to keep with uh, the the cost of inflation. It's it's I suppose it's really challenging for uh, the older people we work with, and it's I suppose it's going to result in some hardship. But the living alone allowance, you also looked for an increase in that, and you did get that. We did, and we're, we're delighted to see that that has been increased. It's something that's been uh, on our agenda and on the agenda of uh, a lot of other organisations that work with older people for the last number of years. Um, it is a support for older people living alone who are who are the most vulnerable, and it's it's, it's been needed for some time now, I suppose. An, an older person living alone uh, still has 80% of the cost of... Uh, for example, a pensioner couple. Uh, so it's really important that they get that that extra support because they have half the income. So it's we really do welcome that and we're delighted to see it. Uh, yeah, and the we had spoken about prescription charges uh, being reduced and there was the, the hope that it would be reduced uh, just for the over 70s, but it's been reduced for everybody. So that's another, it's not a lot, but at least it's something. Yeah, it's, 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 another, it's another way. We've been hoping that uh, all charges associated with prescription items for medical holders would be abolished. We are still glad to see that it has been reduced by 50 cents. Um, about half of over 50s uh, have more have at least one chronic disease and the prescription charges do tend to stack up for people um, who, uh, who are, have several illnesses and this is something I suppose that really does make a difference to them so we're, we were glad to see that even if it wasn't as far as we'd hoped it would go. 
Okay, a listener's contacted us about the Living Alone Allowance, uh, Jim, and he says, all I'm hearing this morning and yesterday is the Living Alone Allowance is increasing by five euro for old age pensioners. I'm on an, an invalidity pension and I'm living alone. I also get a Living Alone Allowance, uh, but do you know is the increase just for old age pensioners? Uh, the increase, as far as I know, is uh, for the Living Alone Allowance uh, as a whole uh, but I'd have to go back and double check Yeah but. and I'm lo- and I'm looking I mean in, in, because Jim is right the living alone uh, allowance yeah. I mean it is it is primarily for people over the age of, of 66 yeah. but but it's also for people uh, it's payable to people who are in receipt of blind persons pension invalidity pension and disability allowance and uh, so exactly. yeah and this increase is on the living alone allowance so it should exactly. be he, sh- he, he, so he should get it, it but we'll, yeah. we'll, 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 we will double check it uh, but certainly my interpretation of it as well would be it is for everybody who is entitled to the living alone yeah. uh, allowance medical card and there was talk yesterday of a change to the medical card thresholds for the over 70s explain what's what's happening there yes yeah, so basically the threshold uh, for accessing medical cards will increase enabling older people on slightly higher incomes uh, to access the medical card so this is something I suppose we've come up against uh, in previous years where for example if uh, the pension was increased or so or you know people were getting slightly more income it might bring them slightly over the threshold uh, for things like the medical card or, or for other entitlements and allowances so this is really welcome uh, that the medical card threshold has been increased it has been I suppose something that's uh, it's pro- I suppose it's probably less relevant this year in that uh, fewer fewer benefits uh, have been increased. So it's not something that we, we would see many people going over the threshold this year specifically. But we have seen it in previous years. And oftentimes people might be very slightly over the threshold for entitlements like this. And, uh, you know, for example, uh, one woman we worked with, uh, it was something like uh, 30 or 40 euro, um, you know, over the threshold for the for the year. And the cost obviously far outweighs that. So it's, it, has, it is welcome to see that that, that that has changed this year. Yeah, and they reckon about 56,000 over 70s will gain. I mean, that's a, that's a big number of people. It's a huge number of people, um, and I suppose the I suppose because uh, older older people, if they are experiencing health difficulties, if they are somebody who has to go to the doctor, has to uh, go to health or medical appointments on a regular basis, this this makes a huge difference uh, to their day to day lives as well. So this is it. Really, is uh, something, uh, and it really is a win for this year's. Budget. Okay, and when can people apply for the medical card? I can see already somebody in saying, uh, Patricia, how soon can people apply for a medical card after what was announced in yesterday's budget? Obviously, somebody who knows it's either themselves or it's a family member who's been turned down for a medical card because they were just outside of the limit. Did these take a few weeks to kick in? It generally takes a few weeks, but we're still wait, waiting for some more details on okay. it. So we can come back to you when we know more. Perfect. That's, uh, that's great. And then we've been talking about the carbon tax uh, this morning, uh, Gronia. That will affect a lot of the people that you represent. It will. So uh, the carbon tax uh, is going up by six euro per ton. Um, and we're, I suppose we're, we're looking that it won't hit uh, 
a home fuel fuels for for heating your home until next May. So it won't be something that'll impact people this winter, uh, which is something that we are grateful for. Uh, but when it does come in uh, from next May and for, for several years after that, and uh, increasing year on year, it will impact. Uh, some of the more vulnerable older people um, who might be on a low income or living in poorly insulated homes um, and especially those in rural areas as well um, so this is something that we will we, we will feel the impact of and there has been a, I suppose a, a corresponding increase in fuel allowance of two euro per week and while that will only mitigate uh, I suppose some of the impact for for a lot of people um, the but the other thing is we had been hoping for an increase in the fuel allowance I suppose off its own bat uh, so that more older people uh, for example I think um, one in ten um, older people uh, weren't able to keep their home adequately warm uh, for a year previous according to the happy survey um, so I suppose heating at home and home heating has already been an issue and the carbon tax, even with uh, the corresponding increase in the fuel allowance, it, it, I suppose it won't, it will impact negatively um, for older people in those vulnerable situations. Yeah, two euro, you know, I can see people giving out about the, the two euro and how pathetic it is, but I suppose the two euro is better than nothing. Well, that's it as well. Um, the the cost for, um, and I suppose eventually uh, by 2030, when the full uh, the full uh, carbon tax is set in place, um, it'll increase. Uh, you know, the cost of your your bag of briquettes um, by uh, I think it's by in and around two euro. Um, but I suppose where it really hits then is if you're filling your uh, your heating oil, uh, where it will impact uh, by quite a bit. So I suppose the main thing is that we're hoping that the fuel allowance uh, will correspondingly increase uh, year on year now, mm. uh, so that it, so that people aren't just left with this two euro in order to manage this. Yeah, it needs to go up because we know the carbon tax is going to go up and therefore pro rata, yep. the fuel allowance needs to go up as well. Somebody's saying, are we getting our Christmas bonus? That was announced, Christmas, 100% Christmas bonus. Yes, 100% Christmas bonus uh, is back is back in this year. It was restored last year um, after after some years of, of, of it being lower than that. So uh, that's that's always a welcome uh, always a welcome initiative and uh, does make a difference at, at that time of year. Okay, Gwonya, yeah, listen, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme today. Thanks so much. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Gronia Lochram, who is the communications officer with Alone, uh, a charity that supports tens of thousands of older people. Lots of your calls and comments coming in. We'll take a look at them all during News at 11 and uh, we'll bring them to you after news. Keep them coming. 1850-333-103. John Paul is taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 086 2103103. In the next hour, we will look at your calls and comments but also we're going to be chatting about uh, other topics as well including speaking with the family of the young uh, amateur jockey uh, Jack 
Tyner, who sadly passed away in 2011 and they won their case against the HSE over his care at uh, CUH. We'll talk with his mum, Mary, uh, in the next hour. And while people are recovering and starting to digest uh, Budget 2020, can I just remind you that when we get over Budget 2020, Halloween is just around the corner. And if you want to celebrate Halloween this year, then may I suggest you go along to Spooky Town. It's the Fota Island Resort uh, how they celebrate Halloween and it's running from October the 25th to October the 31st. There's no need to be frightened. The spooktacular place is fun for all of the family, even the really young kiddies. So I don't think the young kids are going to be frightened or there's going to be something too scary for them. It's for all of the family from the very young to the very old. And you can uh, get your tickets at spookytown.ie. That's spookytown.ie. How Fota Island Resort celebrates Halloween from October 25th to October 31st. Now, let's take a look at a lot of your calls and comments coming in on the budget yesterday. Mary says, Patricia, just a comment on this carbon tax. And can I say the bulk of the calls that we're getting in is to do with the carbon tax. I suppose no real surprise there. But Mary wants to talk about carbon tax and rural Ireland and we not having access to public transport to get us to and from work. The Green Party leader. Eamon Ryan says Mary suggested this morning that we have about 30 cars in any local village which could be shared or a carpooling system put in place and what would happen we would cycle to the nearest village to access the car which would get us to and from work seriously says Mary imagine cycling on a dark potholed ridden country road at 7am in the morning in the height of the winter with ice on the road. Need I said say more, says uh, Mary. <laughs> you painted a, a good picture there. I don't know how many people would jump at that suggestion that you carpool and they're obviously like a com- community cars or something. Is that what Eamon Ryan is suggesting and you get on your high nelly and off you go. Good luck with that Mary. Thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. Text Pat. Thank you Pat. I spotted your name in your text. Pat says Patricia for years we've listened to people cutting up Sinn Féin so this budget that takes from the poor to the give, give to the rich surely must be music to their ears. Hi uh, Patricia what is the living alone when is the living alone allowance coming into play actually there's a number of people asking uh, this as well do we know when now the living alone allowance as far as I know I haven't got the exact date on it it's not coming in on the extra five euro won't come in until March it's similar to when they when they gave the when they used to give well on previous budgets when they gave an increase to social welfare recipients it never comes in until into the new year it's usually in and around St Patrick's Day I don't have an actual date on it but that's my interpretation again we'll check it out and we'll get back to you if if it's different but my interpretation is it won't be until March you're certainly not going to be getting the extra five euro when you go to pick up your old age pension this week that is for sure Tim says when are the increases in the fuel and the living alone allowance starting the fuel allowance which is the extra two euro a week that has just been restored for this winter but it'll be removed again in April because it only lasts for 26 weeks is it 20, I think it's 26 weeks if the fuel allowance is delayed and they don't pay it out until March or April people might only get it for a week or two and then they'll have to wait another 24 weeks for it to come back again says uh, Tim haven't heard about the increase in the fuel allowance but you're right but surely surely they can't hold off on the sh- fuel allowance until March but uh, 
thinking out loud now, maybe they will, because the increases, the carbon tax increase on home heating, oil and fuel and coal and briquettes is not going up until next year. So maybe that's the logic that they'll use where we don't need to give out the extra fuel allowance. But again, we'll get that checked. But yeah, it's probably looking the same. It'll be the same. It'll be when the living alone allowance is paid in uh, March. Joan says, Patricia, what is the limit for a medical card for a widow living alone? And that is from Joan. If you go on to someone like citizensinformation.ie, they have really good information, Joan. I don't know if you've access to the internet. Or the hse.ie have to say they are also really, really good. But just very quickly, just looking down at an assessment of income. But bearing in mind a lot of other things are taken in when you go for a means test. You know, you could be you, you could be you know if you're working outside the, the home, how many hours are you working outside of the home? There's lots of other things and rent they take you know, and if you well, you're saying you're living alone, they they do take dependence, but you are living alone. Anyway, the basic weekly income limit and this is gross less your tax and universal charge and your PRSI for somebody you're saying living alone to we assume under 66 Joan it's 184 euro a week that's for a full medical card obviously there's a GP only card as well and if you're over 66 it goes to 201 euro and 50 and as we know as in from whenever in the next few weeks for those over 70 uh, that increases uh, further but if you go on to either citizensinformation.ie Joan or go on to the hse.ie you certainly will get all of the information there. Hi Patricia I live in the countryside. I travel 12 miles from the nearest shop so I need my car. Now can anybody tell me how much extra coal and petrol I will get for that? As usual the poorest people pay for everything in this country. The well-off in this country gets hundreds, got hundreds of millions yesterday in the budget. The ordinary people of Ireland should stop voting for those people. And don't forget, Fianna Fáil signed off on this budget yesterday. Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, according to this texture, are now the screw the poor parties. Stop voting for these people, says this uh, texture. Mary says people on their own are being discriminated against when it comes to what was announced on the medical card yesterday. The income threshold for a couple has gone up by €150 and it isn't half that for a single person. For a single person it's only gone up by €50. Well spotted Mary. I hadn't I knew it was the it was the single person's one I was keeping a close eye on because I was thinking of the living alone allowance and we last week we had identified that old age pensioners living on their own are the ones that's the real kind of the pinch point and it seemed to be the ones that the government were most targeting. It's as if they'd been listening to us last week. I'm sure they weren't. But they are the ones who are down. You know, they lose a love. You know, they lose their partner. Now, their money doesn't have, but it goes down by almost a half. And yet they have the same bills. So I hadn't spotted that. So for a couple over 70s, they they're allowed to get an extra €150 but for a single person Mary is right it is only 50 she feels discrimination against again against those living on their own Tim was listening to Deputy Mick Barry who joined us in the first hour of the programme Uh, Tim describes Mick Barry as a whiner and he's against everything the 100 companies that Mick quoted which caused 71% of the carbon pollution this is 
all over the country worldwide. He forgot to mention that they provide 71% of the jobs also. Did Mick hand back any of his salary apart from what he gave up in a tax? Why doesn't he give a portion of his salary to the Simon community? Penny Dinners, our brother, Tim Crowley. Well, maybe he does. Maybe maybe he does, Tim. Anyway, uh, Tim, not happy listening to Mick on the programme uh, today. Another texture. Not a word about the huge pay increases that TDs got recently. What a joke. Texter says, these ministers are forgetting the students. This is a young person listening to us. The students in rural Ireland that have to drive to college. Why? Because there's no public transport or we can't afford to stay. If you're under the 45 kilometre rule from college, this is the adjacent rate for the grant, is €33.70 a week. Try buying petrol for that five days a week to get you to and from college and nothing to support yourself with all of the other expenses of going to college not to mind tax, insurance, NCT and tyres are walking 44 kilometres and parking fees it is uh, ridiculous students are going to be very much affected by this carbon tax Texter says what annoyed me most about the budget yesterday was Fianna Fáil they appear to be having a joke and laughing about the budget they're propping up they are propping up Fianna Fáil, that is from Frick. John and Clonakilty says, Patricia, no rise in agri-fuel, no rise in aviation fuel. Is a person driving a car burning a bucket of coal causing more emissions than aeroplanes in the sky or a farmer spreading slurry? The emissions from the tractors and the slurry surely are higher. The ordinary person, again, has to pay says John in Clonakilty. And then on carpooling, carpooling says the texture sounds good but as we all know, if the driver has an accident, everyone in the car will claim his insurance then will go sky high. There is a lot of hassle attached to carpooling. I live in Kerry, says the texter, travel to work in Cork every day. I leave at 5.30am in the morning and I get home at 8.30 in the evening. Wow, isn't that an incredibly long day? I'm already paying €160 per week on diesel just to get me to and from work. This increase in carbon tax could break me. It's okay for people living in the city but it's certainly not okay for us living in rural Ireland. And Somebody else agreeing with carpooling, it is the way to go but people have to be mindful of their insurance. Someone says, bring back the Assen cart. It's the only way uh, to go. And then Dennis, I tell you Patricia, it's the same either way. If you're too lazy to switch energy providers, then you're probably not going to change your habit when it comes to how you live. When I hear about carbon tax increases and all the whining that goes on, the answer is do something about it. But straight away you'll have people say, oh, but electric cars are too expensive. Get a loan or get it on a PIP. People will say, oh, the coal, the oil, the gas, the electricity, all going up. For a hundred sorry for a thousand euro you'll insulate your attic five to six thousand euro you'll upgrade the windows in your home a thousand euro will give you ball feeding walls that won't break the bank I accept 20 to 30 grand for a heat pump is probably out of the reach of most but if people are churning out these lame excuses like oh I like the fire for company then you deserve to be poor and before anybody 
takes a swing at me. I do live in rural Ireland. I've partially retrofitted my house that I got no grant for retrofitting uh, to remove a solid fuel heating system and I'm like toast. I drive a diesel car but I do that for logistic reasons as no current electric car will facilitate my wheelchair. Kind regards and that's from Dennis telling everybody stop whining do something about it. That's just a sample of some of the many, many texts and calls that we're getting into the programme this morning. Thank you for them. Keep them coming. 1850-333-103. That's John Paul taking the calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. Healthcare assistant is wanted for full and part-time roles. That's a Breedhaven nursing home in uh, Mallow. While General Labour is wanted for window and door glass and a glazing company, full training will be provided there. A a dispatch supervisor even is required. That's for a fish company. And an office person is required for part-time work for a North Cork office. Computer skills essential. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now the family of a young amateur jockey who died after a fall at a point-to-point meeting on February 1st, 2011 this week received a settlement at the High Court after the HSE admitted liability in elements of his care at Cork University Hospital. Jack Tyner was 19 years old and the only son of Robert and Mary Tyner from Inna Shannon and his mum Mary uh, joins me on the programme. Good morning to you Mary. Good morning. Uh, once again condolences to you and to your family on the loss of Jack. Does this decision at the High Court Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalised plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This week, Mary, help in some way for you and the family to get some kind of closure. Well, yes, because all the time we had no answers got to see what actually what actually did happen in the finish and this is kind of, we got some answers and eventually from the HSC when we kept, we got our own team in on it when we got suspicious that things weren't right and it took us a long time and they eventually said, oh yeah, to put up their hands eventually, like when, when they realised I wasn't giving up on getting answers. All we wanted was answers and they weren't giving them to us. So. But the very fact that you had to fight this case in court 
I mean, surely that just added to the the, the, the distress and the upset that your family is already going through. Yes, it was very hard, like all the time, because every time you said something, they came back and said, no, he was going to die anyway, it was just nothing got to do with us. And, you know, when we got our legal team, got our um, specialists to read all their files, we had to go in to get them read. And they came back and it was frightening the things that actually went wrong. Like, you know, from the first, from the minute he went into the hospital, they treated him as if there was nothing wrong with him. And that's, that's where all the problems started, but they never let on to us that things were going wrong. They kept telling us, oh, he'll be okay, he'll be okay, he'll be okay. You know, but that never happened. And take me take me back, Mary, to that day, February 1st, 2011. How did you find out that Jack had had a fall? Well, I was at home because it was a replacement point point me. He was on and I didn't go racing because the girls were in school here and someone had to take him to school and different things. Robert was racing. And um, I knew he was after having a winner just the race, the race previous. And my sister was there and I just rang her in because I knew he was going out in another one. And I just said, oh, how's Jack going here? And next thing she says, oh, he's just after he fall. And I said, yeah, how's he? I'll ring you back, she says. And I knew then there was something. So the way she said, I'll ring you back. And she did not ring me back. And I kept trying to ring her. And she eventually rang me. And she says, this isn't looking good. And, you know, then the next place I met him was inside the COH. She was brought, in from, brought from them Garvin to COH in Cork. And um, when he was brought to the hospital there, he was just brought into intensive into the A and E into the accident emergency, and they didn't kind of take a lot of notice of it. He was taken down to they eventually took him down for a CT scan, and they came back up, and we said, "Was it okay?" And and the doctor came out to us, "Oh, he'll probably wake up later on. We 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 will keep him in overnight, probably." Like he nearly kind of said, "We'll you can take him home," and then he said, oh, "No, sure, we'll keep him overnight." And he'd probably wake up. But we didn't know at that time that he couldn't actually read the CT scan properly. The doctor who you were talking with? Yeah, he couldn't. It was only when we were looking through the files afterwards that he couldn't, to down his files, that the CT scan couldn't be read properly. And um, I don't know why, I still don't know why they didn't send him down for another scan. You know, that's, the biggest thing if they actually done it there and then things would probably be a lot different today. And at that stage, Jack was obviously unconscious. Yeah. And how was he looking at that stage to you? He was go- he was he was still moving. He was agitated stuff in the bed, but he was unconscious. Yeah. But um then they just we just kept looking at him. There has to be something wrong. But they said, No, no, we'll like as I said, the scan didn't show up. Well, they couldn't read the scan, but they didn't send him for another scan till the following day, in the middle of the day sometime. And one of the nurses that was on duty that morning, she said, if I was in with him all night. Was I sat next to his bed? He was only in the ordinary war, in the ordinary room in the A&E. And um, I was next to his bed all night. And they just kept coming in out, you know, so, oh, yes, okay, yeah, he's fine, you know, this kind of thing. And, um, she, in the morning, she came in to me a couple of times, and this was 10 or 11 o'clock at this stage, I'd say. And she said, if they don't come up themselves, if they don't come up to take him to down for a scan soon, I'll take him on myself, she says, on, in the trolley, she says. 
Some of those nurses are amazing, aren't they? Those, oh, they're brilliant. Like, they're you just, know, they I, really know. are. They really are. And, and they're yeah. so brave at times to speak up to, to doctors and consultants and the Mr. Misters and all of that. So, so when did you start to get suspicious, Mary, that this is, this is much more serious than just... Because Jack obviously would have fallen from the horse, I take it, many times in, in, in his short career. Well, yes, and we've all fallen and we've all got concussions from falls and you just yeah. you pain your head and you wake up again and everything's okay. And you get back up like, on the horse and you're off again. Yeah, like that's what we thought would happen. We just thought, yeah, you know, that he'd wake up in the morning. We we know, we said, oh, he'll be fine. He'll be okay in the morning. And it never happened. And then he was taken up and um, after they'd done the scan in the middle of the day, next thing he was um, taken to the ICU. And I remember one of the young doctors said to me, she said, he should have been brought up here last night. Why they didn't bring him up here straight away, she said, I don't know. And she was only a young doctor, like, she, mm-hmm. you know, she was she was only down the line. But we still didn't realise that we thought they were all doing the right thing for us then as well. You know, we didn't really take any notice of him. He was in ICU. He was being cared for as we thought properly and everything was being done right as we thought. But it was it was more at the inquest that we got suspicious about everything because there was no there was no one from the CUH or the HSC or whatever you want to say at the inquest. We thought we get answers at the inquest, and we didn't. That then raised alarm bells, and you started thinking, "There's more to this." Yes, and we just kind of remember we. I looked for his files, and I eventually got half his files. Basically, they didn't give them all to me. But I just got someone that didn't really know a whole lot and they were reading through them and they said, I don't know really, this doesn't look good. You want to get someone else to read them. And next day I took them to my solicitor and they said, that's on all the files. You have only half them there. And I said, I don't know, this is what they gave me. And they had to write a couple of times to get all the files from them. And you are entitled to those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't know any better when I got what I got. I thought, ah, that's it now. Like, I didn't know when you're not a professional and you don't know what you're supposed to be getting. We yeah. just got these and that was it. And Mary, you're also a grieving mother. You know, this is the last thing you need to be doing is going through the files of the yeah. last days of, of, of your son's uh, life. And and I know, Mary, and I, and I saw you, my heart broke for you on, on TV. You, your girls, because Jack was your only son, and then you've yeah. got, is it five? You five, five you've, girls. Five gorgeous yeah. daughters. Yeah. You didn't bring them into the hospital because you, cause you didn't think Jack was seriously unwell. Yeah, that's it. They, they all wanted to come in, but I said, no, he's all tubed up or tubes. I said, you don't want to see him the way he is. I said, he'll be better, you know, I'll see him now when he gets over it, and he'll be looking a lot better. I didn't want to. To be frightening him. I know. They came in and see all the monitors. They were all young at the time. And see all these monitors and tubes and he just lying there. I didn't want to... I didn't want to have him to see, this, see him that way. And then when they done the final operation, they done an operation on the Sunday morning. And Amber, they're telling me, oh, everything will be grand. We'll, do, we'll take him in. We'll release the pressure off his brain and he'll be, we'll wake him up tomorrow morning. Or the following day, you know, that kind of thing. Like, and I remember ringing Robert. I said, Robert, the things are great. They're taking him for operation. Everything is going to be good. They're after telling me they'll be waking him, him Monday. And he came out, they came out of theatre and they told me, oh, everything went brilliant. It was great. No problem. Everything will be fine. And he was dead that night. But when we looked into the files, our, our professionals that looked at it said, 
that operation should have never happened. It was too late. He was gone at that stage. Oh my God. You know, but then no way did they tell us. Like, I came home every day for a couple of hours. Robert, I used to stay there from from about 6 o'clock in the evening or 7 o'clock till about 3 o'clock every day, 2 or 3 o'clock. And I came home and Robert went in then for a few hours and told me to go home to have a rest. But I know there wasn't much rest happening, but I came home anyway. But if I thought he was going to die, I'd have never left his side. And I'd have had all his friends in and his girlfriend and... Everyone, all the family, everyone would have come in to say goodbye to him. I know, it could have been but so But we different. never got that chance to do that because we never expected. They just never told us what was really happening. It's just cruel. It's just Which cruel was that, 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 was yeah. ta- that was taken. Those last moments really were taken from all of his friends and, and family. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that was the biggest thing. Like that, as I said, if I knew that, I'd never, never left his side for the week. You know, I'd have been there. I know I was there most of the time, but I'd have never left it. And Mary, this case was was never about money. Was this case in the hope that lessons can be learned that no other family will ever have to go through what you and your family have been through? Yes, that that's what the whole plan of it was. That please God, or hopefully that they learn some lessons, but whether they did or not, I don't know. But, the, you know, just to say that they just... But for more people, when you go into hospital, don't take things for granted. Ask questions. Keep asking. You know, that's my biggest thing. But they, I just hope they have learned lessons inside there. But who knows, like, you know, that kind of thing. You just yeah. don't know because... And listen to, I think, listen to nurses and junior doctors. And if they're raising suspicions, speak up. You know, they, they may be afraid to speak up themselves. But we, yes, we have to be advocates for, for our loved ones and our... Oh, it's just as dreadful. It's uh, and and how how are the girls doing? I, it was Jack, your eldest, or yeah, Jack, oh. the eldest. He was their big brother, and oh. they all looked up to him and all the rest. Like. My God! And they all, no, you know, he was a he was a great son and brother and boyfriend, and you know, he was a great friend to everyone. Everyone was very upset over it, and they were, you know, just couldn't believe it. Like, you know, that kind of thing, like that it could actually happen. But like, I know. They're after giving me a written apology, all right. Okay. But they're still kind of, I can't remember what way the wording is now, but they're still saying it's not really their fault. Yeah, they're, not, know, they're, com- they're not coming out directly and saying it is their, they haven't come out and admitted liability. They're, they're very clever with their wording and, and, yeah. and how, how they word all, all of these things. Yeah, it's only kind of a half-hearted apology, but I suppose I got something any off them, but like that's not... You know, and no, and the big one, as you say, the hope would be that they've learnt lessons that nobody. Well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. What is it? The HSE admitted liability in elements of the care is, is yeah. how it was phrased. Well, let's mm. hope that, that no other family have to go through what what you were going through. And and you know, Mary, I know life will never be the same uh, mm-hmm. for for you without Jack. All you can do is is is, and I suppose for you as the mum and 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 Robert, the dad, you try and keep going for the girls and. Is there grandchildren now as well? No, there's no grandchildren no, yet. Yes, no, yes. No, no. They'll be on the way. They'll <laughs> be on the way. Not for a while, hopefully. Yeah, we'll give the girls a, a few more years. But Definitely, this, yes. Listen, our, our heart, once again, condolences because it's no family should have to go through what, what you went through. It's tough enough to lose a much-loved son. But in the particular circumstances, it makes it all, all the worse. Uh, so our, our yes. thoughts are with you. Thanks for, yes. jo- thanks for joining us. 
Okay, thank you very God much. Bless. God bless. God okay. bless. Take care. Bye bye. Uh, brave lady. That is Mary Tyner. Uh, son of uh, mom of Jack and uh, we remember Jack who sadly passed away in 2011 it was when the case came up again this week when they were in court and I you know God I clearly remember uh, hearing about Jack's death and everybody was so saddened for the for the Tyner family at the time it's just it's one of those things again it happens and you think goodness me was that like nearly was that eight years ago that that happened all those things happened and it seems like it only happened the other day but of course for the families the living hell that they have been through for the last uh, eight years and taken, having to take on a case like that and again another case where they have to fight to, for somebody to stand up and say yeah I made a mistake you know or we got that wrong why can't they just come out at the start and say it than to put the families through the absolute hell and torture and torment that they have to go through and bringing them into the environment of courts and high courts which is intimidating enough as it is and we just keep we, we, you know we did it with the, the cervical check with all those gorgeous ladies who had to fight the system we just keep doing it how many of these medical negligence cases and I'm not saying because I know you know people say oh god come on Trisha you're always talking about how litigious we are and people are suing left right and centre I accept that I accept that you can't just straight away pay out everyone and it's not it's nothing to do with payouts but when it's very obviously a mistake has been made. There's been an error. Somebody hasn't done something that they shouldn't have done or somebody did something that they shouldn't have done. And it's almost like they start to cover up. It's those kind of cases. Get out straight away and admit. Put your hand up and say we made a mistake because that's all people want, want to hear. Instead of dragging these wonderful, gorgeous families who are living their own hell and dragging them through the courts. 1850 and once again, our sincere condolences to the Tyner family and uh, may young Jack rest in peace. He will be forever young. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 Anyone who has or is going through a family breakdown due to a divorce or separation will know that if there are children involved, then those children must come first and not get lost in the upheaval of their parents' divorce. Sharon Morrissey, who runs a mediation and conflict resolution service, has just published a wonderful book that hopefully will help families through those stormy times. Sharon joins me to discuss her book called That's Not My Ending. Good morning to you Sharon. Hello Patricia, how are you? I'm, I'm, I'm very well um, and, and thank you for getting a copy of your book to me. Firstly the title That's Not My Ending is very clever. Well it was um, I suppose the end, uh, the title came from children that I was working with and um I was reading them a story from one of the American type books that we have um, on the market about relationship breakdown. And, uh, you know, it was going through how everything kind of turned out fine in the end. And, you know, these two separate families now that I come from one family, you know, they were all getting on fine and everything was great. And I was reading them the story and I looked up at the two people I was reading it to and literally their faces had completely glazed over. And um, I just said to them, that's not your ending, is it? And they said, no. (laughs) And that is actually where the title came from. In that moment, they said, no, that's not my ending. Like for us, that's not my ending. And you've worked worked in mediation, so you've spoken with many families going through uh, divorce. Do all parents set out to put their children first 
but for whatever reason lose their way? Um, I think, I suppose, look, none of us get married with the intention of it not working. So, you know, to be fair to parents or get married, get into a relationship with, with the intention of it not working. We all have this, you know, it's going to turn out happily ever after thing going on in our head. When that doesn't happen, so the adults involved are at a significant loss. You know, they've lost the relationship, they've lost the dreams and the hopes for the future. And, you know, they possibly losing their home where they're going to live. You know, there's going to be consequences around work and money and all that. So with the best will in the world, they get lost as an adult and therefore the children get lost as well. So, you know, this book, I really did not want to be about judging parents or, you know, getting our parents, you know, I've been through this situation. You try to do your best for your children, um, but sometimes your own mental health and everything that's going on around you um, dictates or takes away from that and, and your children do end up kind of being secondary to or, or way down the line. Yeah, so, and, um, and and I love in the book, in the story in the book, there's no blame. There's no, nobody's no, getting blamed no, no, for as to why, no, why no, the marriage no. went down. Because I what would you say is the most common mistake parents make? Is it this thing of using the children as the pawns almost? Sometimes, yeah, that happens quite a lot. And I suppose, um, look, every parent I suppose, that I've worked with have kind of believed that they are doing the best for their children, right? So there's there's nobody sets out to think, right, I'm going to get at mom or dad by doing this. You know, so in that then, the children kind of are, you know, tell your dad this or tell your mom this or tell your dad I need this or can you get that off your mother when you call over? You know, things like that. And children get caught up in that negative communication between parents then. And a lot of the time parents kind of think that that's okay. But it's just when you step back from it and see the impact that that is doing um, to the children in the story and in real life, that you see that it's quite negative, actually, that type of communication between the parents and using the children to be the communication carriers is, is very negative. Now, that's just a mild case of it. You know, sometimes children aren't allowed to go from house A to house B or, you know, they're not allowed to carry their favourite toy so that they're going to be upset when they go to an extra house or go oh. to the other house or whatever. So, you know, it can, like it goes from things as, as simple as tell your mom I need €20 Euro for swimming on Friday to no, you're not taking your favourite teddy bear because in your head you're thinking, okay, the child's going to be upset at the other house and that's great. Do you know? So yeah, You're not putting it, the child first. Yeah. Exactly. It's a spe- You know, it's a continuum. It goes from, you know, the, the minor things to the really major things that are going to make children upset when they go to either house to the point where they don't want to go to either house because they know they're going to be upset. You know? And then there's like this parental alienation where one parent mm. will do their best to turn the child off the other parent. Against the other one. Yeah, um, yeah, I suppose that's what kind of got me into this type of work in the first place. I'd never heard of it up until about, you know, um, five or six years ago. And, and then I came across, you know, a case that was very blatantly that. Um, and, you know, started investigating it a little bit more and then realised that, you know, there was a whole, you know, I just hadn't come across it. Um, and, and that's what took me to mediation because I just, the impact on that particular child, you know, was horrendous. Um, and... To be fair, the child didn't even know that there was an impact. Um, the child was so alienated at that point. There wasn't even a question about the opposite, you know, the other parents having done anything right or anything wrong. It's just that parent didn't exist. 
My um, God, my yeah, God. So, yeah. Now, your, your, your book, If yeah. the advice is that the parents read the book first mm. and then you give it to the children, isn't, isn't yes. that? That's, and you've deliberately formatted it, which I think is very clever, in such a way that the parents can cut out Yes, the pa- with all the yeah. with all yeah. the, the the wordy part in it, and then you end up with this absolutely glorious little storybook for eight to ten year olds, seven to ten yeah, year olds, ish, ish, ish. You know, yeah. kind of. Yeah, it depends. I suppose again, it's all in age and stage development and where your children are at. Do you know? I mean, there there aren't many words in it. in the children's section. There aren't that many words in it. You know, and if if a parent is in a place to be able to describe the feelings behind the words. You could read it to a child that's younger. Yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, you know when the and the story are... and the the, the story centres around two little ones, Shawnee, yeah, Shawnee and, and Tony. their little sister yeah. Tony. Now, j- just g- 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 give listeners an idea of what the story that how the story unfolds. Then, so the story is around Shawnee and Tony, and initially they have this, you know, that they see they have this lovely home and family kind of set up and things are, are happy but behind the scenes mum and dad aren't getting on very well so um, they are they hear a lot of conflict they don't see a huge amount of it. they hear it so they hear it behind closed doors and, and the impact that that has on them um, I suppose that comes from you know when I speak to parents they'll say no no um, they, the children never see us fighting or never hear us fighting and I would always say parents that that may that is possibly very true that they never see or hear it but they will know that you are different afterwards yeah right? they'll pick because up on parents it. know you exactly parents know you, or our children know their parents better than we know ourselves most of the time do you know so and um, they can see that either mom or dad are feeling a bit low or might be a bit cross or you know kind of or answering things a little bit more sharp than they normally are and you know they can see all that so they know something's going on and sometimes what they think is going on is actually worse than what's really going on. So it's about communicating with children like in an age-appropriate way, you know, that mom and dad are having issues. So anyway, in this story, um, mom and dad sit Shawnee and Tony down and they they explain to them that their relationship is broken down. And in this story, dad moves out to a flat. So it goes through all of the questions around, um, you know, what is a flat? Because one of the little ones thinks that a flat is, Come, is a piece of furniture because it mm. comes flat packed in a box um, you know and trying to understand what all of that is and then the very basic things of how everything has changed so they come from this nice house to this small house to you know in this story it comes from kind of it appears to be a kind of a country setting into a more um, you know like a town or city setting where the lights are always on and there's always noise um, you know and trying to figure out all of these things but it's looks at the relationship between the children and the parents. So you've obviously got the parental relationship, but then it looks at the, the relationship of the children and the parents and then the sibling relationship, which initially was very good because they minded each other to the point where neither of them could kind of process what was going on. So that impacted the sibling relationship. And then obviously because of all of the changes, because of access um and, and changes in routine, the impact it has on school and social relationships for the children, and the way that, and the way the children yeah. tried to blame themselves was it something they did that caused yes, mummy and daddy? They questioned that. And, yeah, I, and yeah, I also yeah. thought what came across really strongly was 
and it's it's one I imagine that all parents do in the situation where they sit the children down and say, you know, we still love you. It's just mommy and daddy don't love each other anymore. And how yeah. frightening that statement That's is terrifying to children. Yeah, yeah, terrifying. Because, I mean, the next question is, OK, well, if they stop loving each other, what's to stop them loving me? Ah, well... Okay. And then and, the book, and, that's huge. and the book goes along, and there is there is there is a lovely happy ending in in, in the end of it. So we we won't. Well, we won't, it's, it, I suppose it's not a like not, well, not a happy a ending. Realistic a realistic ending. ending. That's a happy <laughs> ending. Yeah, they don't get yeah, back together, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. No, in case somebody no, thought. No, 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 no. But I, the illustration in mm. the is magnificent. It's magnificent. It is. Yes, it absolutely is. And the lady that did that for me. Um, so I wrote down what I, you know, I wanted and I wanted it to look like. And she sent back illustrations that were more perfect than I ever could have imagined. <laughs> um, what you know, does that feel like? Because that's literally your book coming to life, Sharon. I know. It's amazing. It's absolutely, this is my first book. Um, so I had, I suppose, number one, I never thought I could do anything like this. But um, then when I look at it now, I am exceptionally proud of its story of the journey of kind of my personal input into it because really like my life is in this book you know there's part of me and, and, and my story in this book it's the same as you know all the other families that will probably read it they will see in the book that you know this comes from a place of personal and professional experience um, and to see it is, in print it's, it's wonderful yeah. it's wonderful yeah it really really is um, and, and, but and, I mean I just want to get it into the hands of as many people Absolutely. that I think it's going to help. Absolutely, because the message really is that co-parenting is possible during parental and family yeah. breakdown. I mean, that's yeah. the one message that you're trying to get across in this book. It's possible and, you know, it is. it may not be perfect, but it is what your children need. Now, you know, there there are obviously cases, again, you know, relationship breakdown will come because of different issues and things like that and you know there's health and safety issues in some cases but in the majority of cases it's just the small things all add up like the financial pressures the emotional pressures the you know all of the small things that add pressure to a relationship gets to a point where you can't continue that relationship anymore um but your children need both parents however that looks and what mediation does is it allows that to work individually for each family. So it's not a set of rules. It is a process that you work through. And what happens when the children are two, if the relationship has broken down, will be completely different to when the children are 16. Mm. So what mediation allows to happen is that you can come back and you can renegotiate the next phase for your children. You know, as opposed to it going to a court process where it's quite, you know, adversarial by yeah, nature yeah, and it's going to entrench people anyway. Um, and that's just the way our court processes are set up. But, you know, at least with mediation, it, it encourages the communication. That's the what other it's all about. Is, yeah, and that's what it's all about. You know, so when there is something like a communion, I think Shawnee talks about his confirmation in this one, when there's a communion or, you know, um, a, a birthday, birthday party yeah, wedding, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. That you can you can have those discussions around what that's going to be. And if you can't have them with the other person, that's fine. You can get your mediator in to sit and you can have those discussions through that third person. Okay. You know, and, and, well, and it's, that's Well, it's really absolutely works. terrific. Where is the book available from? So um, it's on my website. So that's um, Sharon Morrissey, conflictresolution.ie and 
forward slash book. It's on Amazon. Um, and Phillips actually in Mallow have it as well Great. at the moment. Uh, June's been fabulous and she's taken copies of it. Um, so we're just kind of, because it, it's a self-published, so I'm... Um, you know, You're trying to get it out there yourself. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly and are you getting yeah. fantastic reaction to it so far, Sharon? I know the you've reviews, only recently launched. Yeah, the reviews are brilliant. They've, they've been fantastic. Um, you know, but again, it's, it's just about getting it into the hands now of the people that need it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's for me, that's what it was about. I know 18, 19, 18 years ago, I would have loved to have something like that in my hand. Um, you know, so... I would love it to be in the hands of as many people. And, you know, people ask me, who's this book for? Like, it's, yes, it's for parents and children, obviously, you know, in the relationship breakdown. But it's also, we had Michael Moynihan was at our launch there in Mallow. And, you know, he was saying, like, schools need to have it. Mm. You know, um, kind of family resource centres need to have it. Any place that are dealing with people that are coming in because of the stress, anxiety and impact on mental health for children and adults because of relationship breakdown need to have this book. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. You know, absolutely. So it, it's well, just about getting the word out there. It's, it's fantastic. Congratulations you so to you on it. It's called so That's Not My Ending, written by Sharon Morrissey. We wish you luck with it, uh, Sharon. Real pleasure talking to you. Thank you for joining us on the programme. Patricia, thanks. Good morning to you. Thank you. Bye-bye, bye-bye. 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 Uh, Sharon Morrissey, 1850-333-103. Peter Dowdell joins us. As I say that, the sun starts to shine. If you've got a question for Peter, get it in. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp. 0862-103-103. It's not feeling like paradise if you're in Mitchellstown today. Why? We've just been told there's an electricity outage. I don't know why, but uh, the ESB networks are working to restore power and they expect power to be back in the Mitchellstown area by about one o'clock. So in under an hour, you'll be able to boil the kettle and be able to switch the lights on if you're in an area where it's feeling a little bit dull and dreary uh, today. Now, still getting lots of thoughts and comments on the budget. And in Canturk says, I feel those ministers are getting very comfortable sitting down together. They're robbing the country blind, but they're especially robbing rural people. It's rural people that are missing out so much. And a number of people are pointing out, and I did mention this earlier because one of our listeners was quick as a quick as a flash pointing it out to us that the increase in the medical card threshold for people over 70s it, you can it's an extra 50 euro I'm assuming a week for over 70s if you're single in a single person in, in a house but if it's a couple you will be entitled to a medical card and you can earn an extra 150 euro on top of what was the old uh, exemption and a lot of people pointing out why why for single people is it only 50 euro it's 150 for a couple it's discrimination again a number of people feeling that older people living on their own are the ones most discriminated against but yet the government will say well look what we tried to do yesterday by increasing the living alone allowance and it was one of the only social welfare payments that actually uh, went up. And then the amount of people are, are saying, give us a Lewis or a Dart outside our door and we'd have no problem with the carbon, the increase in carbon tax. We'll give up our cars then. But that is not always the case. Uh, public transport and in Mitchellstown, they expect people to use public transport, but it's never reliable. She cites an example. The 12.50 bus from Mitchellstown to Cork was late. It arrived at one forty, so fifty minutes, forty minutes, fifty, fifty minutes late. 
We were late for a hospital appointment due to the bus being late. And I want to, yeah. And, oh, and it's tough enough being late for a hospital appointment because people can get annoyed with you and there can be delays and all of that. But if you're using a bus service like that to get to work, don't know how understanding employers would be if you were constantly turning up late for work and the reason you're turning up late is oh sorry the bus is late again some of your texts coming in thank you for that Heidi says Patricia well we got the budget and I must say once again it's rural Ireland that's going to be hit by this carbon tax hike and Mary one of your previous callers is right we should tell the green guy to get on his bike and ride off into the sunset this was Eamon Ryan who'd suggested that people in rural areas it should be like community cars in the village and then you cycle to the village on the day you need to use the car and you go off use the car or your car carpool and then you cycle back again and Mary was saying on the potholed roads 7 o'clock on an icy morning who's he fooling anyway right off into the sunset Eamon Ryan with your suggestion and Heidi agrees the Green Party people are only making our lives harder as to travel to and from work or to and from the shops trying to keep our home warm in everything we buy in all of the goods everything will be going up and they are then protesting disrupting our lives they are becoming too much maybe they can afford all of the changes they keep wanting put in place but certainly we don't have big enough pockets said Heidi not impressed with the Green Party at the moment and she has huge sympathy for students and says it's really really hard on students who can't afford to live close to their college and instead are commuting. They're in commuting distance but they still have to drive to and from college. They are the ones that the carbon tax uh, is really going to hit and she has great sympathy for them. There's some WhatsApps in and some of my texts into the programme this morning and see sympathies coming in for Mary Tyner who joined us in the last uh, hour and um, sympathies to her on losing her beautiful son Jack in 2011. People still want to extend their sympathies to her. I'm sure Mary and Robert and the rest of the family will very much appreciate that. Seamus and Mitchestown. Hi Patricia. How many cars do you see parked outside the average house? Three? Maybe four? Everyone seems to have one. Everyone in the house seems to have one. Is one car not enough? Says Seamus in Mitchellstown. And I suppose that's a kind of a modern phenomena. I mean, many years ago, back in the 70s, probably even into the 80s, if, if, a fa- if every car in the neighbourhood had, if every house in the neighbourhood had one car, that would be the most. Certainly into the, it's kind of moving into the 80s, everyone was getting cars, 70s, 80s. But Seamus is right. If you, I'm even thinking just even in my own neighbourhood, countless houses I can see has more than one car. And obviously adult children now are starting to live at home and they have cars. But then if you think of the students who we've been showing sympathy to who can't afford, the parents can't afford to fund them living say in the city, say here in Cork, can't afford them living in the city to go to college. So the son or daughter now has to commute and is still living at home. They need a car because there isn't public transport to get them to and from college or to or from their job. So that's probably one of the reasons why there's more cars. But could we do with less cars? Does everybody want to think about that? If you're living in a household that has more than one car, I am living in a household where we have two cars. I've got one. Hobby's got one. He commutes to the city. Could I do without my car? Mm. Push came to shove, I probably could. Is it more for convenience and luxury and laziness and all of that that I need my car? But yeah, it is certainly food for thought, Seamus. 
Thank you for that. Tim says the best bus service in Ireland is the Cove Connect but it's a direct non-stop service so I can't join it at Fota. Rural Link with 16 or 18 seater buses could be economical and environmentally friendly says uh, Tim throwing in a suggestion of what we could do to get people out of cars and get people more into carpooling and getting people into onto buses uh, John from Clonakilty can take the wax out of his ears so John from Clonakilty was the one who was giving out about that the ordinary man in the streets going to be affected again with the carbon tax and he was saying what about airline fuel that isn't getting any carbon tax and our agri diesel tractor diesel and he was talking about emissions and all of that from the agricultural centre uh, sector what a texter's picking up on John from Tonakilty's take the wax out of your ears John tractor emissions are a lot cleaner than cars they're better than what you're driving around the uh, town and animals by the way are way cleaner there's no name on that and uh, as high is Trish, is the country any better off today with carbon tax? Well, for this year, the carbon tax is going to collect 90 million euro will be collected in carbon taxes. And we're told, we're being reassured that it's been ring-fenced towards green investments, things like cycle paths, greenways and e-car incentives. So are we better off? Well, we will be better off at is, and I don't know if that's one full year it's, I keep seeing this figure of 90 million but we will be better off the coffers the government the exchequer will be better off because everyone will, will be paying the uh, carbon uh, tax and hi Anne says hi Patricia it's disgraceful that the threshold is raised for medical cards for older people who are retired nurses retired teachers retired public servants all living on public service pensions they have very large pensions uh, and they're also getting their state pension they also have private health insurance they can well afford to pay for their own trip to the doctor and their own medicines why give them a medical card they shouldn't be getting the free travel pass either says Anne who, and again, you're generalising, you can't, when you say older people who are, so are you saying that only older people, any older person who has a private pension, and you include all the public servants, are you saying all of those collectively, would you take the state pension away from them that they contributed to? You probably couldn't because they contributed to it. But what you're saying is they shouldn't be given medical cards. So any older person listening that has a private pension from work or if you worked in the public service or you're a nurse or a teacher Anne's theory is you can well afford to pay for the doctor in a lot of cases you have and definitely have private health insurance so if you get sick you could go privately you don't have to go on a waiting list so you don't actually need your medical card at all you should be giving up your medical card you shouldn't be entitled to it. You should also be, shouldn't be entitled to a free travel pass. I don't know if many of those older people, if they are listening to us, Anne, are going to agree with you, but you are entitled to your opinion. 1850-333-103. John Paul takes your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Can I remind you that it's Wednesday and there's been so much talk about the budget, but we will be leaving the budget all behind us in a couple of minutes and we'll turn our attention to everything in the great outdoors and in the garden. If you have a question for Peter, you need to get it into 1850 You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. 
Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Bandon GAA Club, they're holding a fundraising fashion show. It is on tonight. Starts at 8 o'clock with proceeds from the evening going to the new community play park. Tickets available locally. The Irish Blood Transfusion Service, they've got donor clinics in the Parkway Hotel in Domanway tonight. It's from this evening from 5pm to 8.30 and then tomorrow, Thursday, 3 to 5 in the afternoon and 7 to 9 tomorrow night. The National Council for the Blind will hold a coffee morning at their premises on Broad Street in Charleville tomorrow, Thursday from 10am to 2pm. You're please asked to support. And Cork Arc Cancer Support House are holding their first conference, Networking and Information Day. It's in their new premises that's on Sarsfield Road. It's happening this Saturday from 9am to 3.30pm. This is aimed at young people under the age of 45 with breast cancer. There'll be lots of information stands, guest speakers, etc. And a booking is essential. Call them at 021 42 Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Okay, still getting in a huge amount of commentary on the uh, budget uh, yesterday. A texter said, first, I was so insulted when the minister said this is a Brexit budget. The budget is for the Irish people, not for the English people. There will be more people and children and the disabled will go hungry and homeless. Uh, I want this government gone. Uh, I And yes, they were able to raise their own wages, says a uh, texter. And there is also been a lot of reaction to Seamus in Mitchellstown who suggested uh, his comment was about if you look Outside most houses, how many cars do you see? And he was saying, inside some houses there can be three or four, but I was saying on average, you know, most houses have two cars. And he was saying, people need to start giving up cars. Do we really need two cars per household? Mary says, may I ask, does Seamus and Mitchestown live in a bus route? I'm living out in the sticks, middle of nowhere. I've one travelling to Cork, one travelling to Limerick. We need two cars. And another person says, Trish, good for you if you can manage with one car. I work eight to eight nights and days. I can't be late for work ever with the type of job that I do. And then my husband has a car and it's needed as we live in the countryside. We've got children, we've got to get to school. If we had only one car, they wouldn't be able to get to school or be collected when I go to work. And then obviously my husband will need it if he gets at work as well. He will have to drive. So it isn't as easy for Seamus to say, we should be giving up all these cars and one car per household uh, would be enough. OK, let me quickly go to the phone lines where Noreen uh, joins me. This now is picking up on the comment that came in from Anne earlier. Anne was saying that she was very annoyed that the threshold was raised for older people for medical cards and she feels older people who are retired nurses, teachers, public servants, those that have a private pension shouldn't be getting a medical card. Well, that's picking up and that they all have private health insurance anyway so they don't need a medical card Noreen that annoyed you yes you've you you're an old age pensioner you've you did you work all of most of your life I worked most of my life I was a nurse okay and I had to give up my work because my mother-in-law had got a brain tumor oh. or a brain hemorrhage and when I came to my pension age I just got an uncontroversy and I I've paid uh, three. I, my husband is ill at the minute, has been ill with the last six years, and we have private health insurance. I paid uh, 3,808 euros the week before last, and we also pay for consultants. But 
we haven't had a holiday in years. And we had a, we've met a friend there lately and uh, she found, she, she was talking and she said, you're getting very good attention. And uh, we said we had insurance. And this lady now had had three foreign holidays in the year. Mm. One was America, Australia and somewhere else I can't remember. And she said, oh, so we uh, thought so the people on the medical cards will have to die. But I mean, I would do without food to have a med- uh, private health insurance. Uh, yeah, and particularly when your husband is, is, isn't well. I mean, 3,800 would certainly have got you and your husband a nice holiday. Yes. But you need the peace of mind that your husband is getting the care and attention that he needs. Yes, yes. I mean, at one um, one of the occasions that he was admitted to hospital, if he hadn't had the private health insurance, he would have been dead. Oh, my God. Because once he went in, he was seen straight away. Yeah, that's that's the difference. You know, and I mean, if if you're willing to make that, to, uh, you know, to take that chance and pay for it, why not? You know. And do you save for your yes health insurance? We, uh, yeah, we put so much aside every week. Yeah, so that when it comes in, the the, the money is there. In, then I can. I can pay it. So it, yeah, it's and it's wrong to have the sweeping statement saying everyone's on huge pensions and should they can all afford it. Well, we I'm we're just on a country a non-contributory. Well, because I looked after my mother-in-law. And but the medical card is still very important to you. The medical card is we get the tablets. That is a help. Yeah, and if you need to go to the GP and all of that, yes, that yeah. is a help. But we um, we don't go to. The, we're not running to the to the doctor. GP you know, willy-nilly, it, it's only if it's serious. Okay, and how is your husband doing? Um, well, last week I we were going to a consultant and I thought we were told that it was only time. But he has another chance and we just go along with that. Oh, hang in there, hang in there. Yeah, that's all. It's, a, it's, a, it's a tough road, it's a tough road. It's, Listen. It's hard, it's hard, but I mean, you've got a few want to get as much help as possible you have to have private health insurance and make the make uh, things for yourself like yeah you, you make the sacrifices expect, you can't expect to get everything for nothing Okay, listen, good health to your husband and uh, and good health to you as well looking after him, uh, Noreen, but thank you for that. Thank you. And uh, thanks uh, and Thanks for the programme. Uh, our pleasure. Thank you for that. Yeah. So yeah, and it is true, God bless. Uh, you know, everyone's different. It's all great to make sweeping statements saying, you know, oh, everyone's got big pensions. They don't. I mean, there's there's a non-contributory pension, Noreen and her husband, and they put the bit away every single week. There's a lot of savings to come up with €3,800 to pay for the private health insurance for the next year. They would have had a nice holiday out of that. But instead of having a holiday, they feel having their private health insurance is more important than anything else. Thanks to Noreen for her call. Nancy in uh, Bantry said everything in this budget was based on Brexit. But if everything works out in Brexit, will they give everything they could have? If the UK don't crash out, will they give something back in the midterm budget? I thought about that as well because it's the 1.2 billion that they've put aside. Now they say they'd have to borrow half of it. So that means they have half of it. They have 650 million away in a kind of a war chest for Brexit to give us a bit of a soft landing if there's a hard Brexit. If there's a hard Brexit, then they'll use that and they'll borrow uh, the rest. And obviously the real good news story would be if there is 
a soft landing from Brexit. I mean, they're using soft landing and hard landing as to what happened the last time. But, you know, if the agreement is reached or if something happens and they wake up in the United Kingdom and they realise, oops, sorry, we're wrong, we'll stay in the EU, would not be a happy day and we all go back to the way we were. But anyway, if all of that happened, will they, they, will, they will still have the 650 million. Will they come back with the midterm budget? I've heard no mention of it. It would be nice to think that they would, but I certainly haven't heard any mention of uh, that. Now, uh, we've been talking about the carbon tax all morning and the fact, and we did warn you over the last two years, or two days, two years, two days, to get out and fill up your tank your car with petrol or with diesel because we knew that the increase was coming in from midnight last night. So we sent our reporter Fiona Corcoran to the petrol pumps this morning just to talk to people who were filling up and asking them about the increases in petrol and uh, diesel. You're filling up your car here now. Are you getting in before the increase kicks in tonight? Uh, yes, I am. We were talking about it in the office and the government have done that marketing thing they always do where they've sent out the message that it's going up by 14 cent a litre so everybody panics so then when they tell us it's only two we go, ah sure, that's not too bad. It's really good marketing. They do every year the same thing. Would you drive a lot? Will it affect you, an increase like that? Yes, it will. Yeah, I do. I drive quite a bit for work so yes, it is going to affect me. I do. I do, I do a fair bit of driving, yeah. I'd, I'd spend... I'd probably spend a whole, over 100, 100 euro a week on, on, um, on diesel. And that increase in petrol and diesel, will that affect you much? Um, yeah, it will, because I'm a student, so um, it's already too expensive for me to have a car on the road myself. So I have to share with my mum, and I have to help with the petrol, and obviously petrol is very expensive. <laughs> Did you think that um, putting on this, uh, this increase, that it's going to encourage more people to get out of their private cars and look at alternative modes of transport? I think they're kind of doing it backwards like encouraging us by making life harder isn't the way forward I would happily carpool to and from my work but there isn't anything in, there's no system so all it's doing is making life harder and it's not offering me any solution well it, it, it might do but it's, it's no good for me because I use it for work so I have no I have no choice but to use it but I suppose other people would uh, maybe pool pool cars or something like that you know uh, if they can I live, I live in Crosshaven, it's a rural part of the, 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 the county, so most people need their cars from getting to work and getting home. So I don't know, I don't think it's going to help too much, to be honest. No, I don't think so, because it's not always an option. Like, I work up and cope, and for me to get to work, I'd have to get two buses, which would mean an hour to get to work, which is an extra hour on either side of my shift, so... Like, I think that a lot of people only kind of... Well, not everyone, but a lot of people would use it only when they really need to use it. So I don't think that, like, if there's not another option, then they'll still have to use it, like... But maybe, I suppose, in some cases where people are just going small journeys and stuff, they'd walk or something instead. Some will, depending where they live, maybe in urban areas or maybe electric cars, they're trying to advance the technology, bring more of those in, you know, so... Do you think it's a warranted increase at this stage now? Yeah, I think so now, yeah. I think we have to start doing something about it. Do we need to see more alternative options for people if they want to get out of their car? Uh, I, I think, you know, the, 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 the point being that, you know, whilst, whilst simultaneously improving uh, or increasing fuel 
um, costs that you know the rate of change in terms of the provision of public and sustainable transport infrastructure is slow and has been a source of frustration in Cork for quite some time. So really, you know, we do need to see like very firm commitment and a very firm program of short-term measures to enhance the sustainable and public transport offer in Cork. That's true, you know, increased service on our existing rail lines. That's true. Uh, the implementation of our Bus Connect program, um, and that is true, you know, the, the increased uh, provision of cycle cycle infrastructure. So you're absolutely right in saying that while, while we're simultaneously paying more for fuel, um, you know, the, the provision of uh, the infrastructure that will, you know, uh, provide more options is, is, is slow and is challenging. Okay, thank you to Fiona for that. And that last voice, as you heard, was Thomas McHugh of the Cork Chamber of uh, Commerce. Texter says, Patricia, the one car per household is ideal, but it is not practical for today. I think back in the 70s, most women stayed at home. So one car was fine. But now we've got both partners out at work. And even if I was at home with the children, I'd need to know where I could borrow a car in case there was an emergency. We are all more educated, so we know the risks of being isolated. When we retire, we will aim to have one car, eating less meat and becoming more practical about our daily lives and what we do will probably be more beneficial. Yeah, that is a good point. I think when it's working parents and when there's children, I think for, for possibly for a retired couple, if there's two of you at home and you have similar interests as you don't all have different hobbies, it probably would be OK and you probably would be able to have a, car, a household with one car but everybody's saying impossible if you need to get to and from work and you need to be picking up the children as well. Okay, we're going to take a break and we are back with Peter Dowdell answering all of your gardening questions. Get your gardening questions in please. You can call 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103103. Can I give a quick mention to a coffee morning that's happening tomorrow at the Aurora in Mallow, the furniture shop. It's for World Mental Health Day. They have a special coffee morning from 11am to 1pm at the shop on St. Joseph's Road. And then people are invited to pop in for a cuppa and a chat. They're doing amazing work at Aurora in Mallow. Delighted to say Peter Dowdell joins me live in the studio. He was in the area and he popped in. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. I'm just trying to to work out is that good for your carbon footprint or not that you're here and not over the phone. Carbon tax, you've been listening to us this morning. I was listening to you and uh, everybody in the country is obviously talking about it. And uh, I put up a Facebook post the other day on the Irish Gardener about this because everyone knew it was coming, obviously. And I'm fuming. I'm fuming about this whole thing. And people listening might be saying, but you're an environmentalist, etc. Why are you fuming? I'm fuming because it just shows the absolute lack of understanding in Leinster House across all parties to what's facing us as a problem. You can't tax your way out of this problem. Mm -hmm. And and this Egypt, Richard Bruton and uh, Pascal Donoghue saying that, you know, it's not, a, it's not supposed to be a punitive tax. All tax is punitive. It's not supposed to be a punitive tax. It's supposed to change our way of thinking. Well, if they're so concerned about changing our way of thinking, why haven't they shown any uh, investment in this budget in the green economy, in developing electric cars, in planting trees, in anything that might actually help with the problem. They say, though, that the €90 million euro raised will go, they'll ring-fence it. But as somebody's pointed out to me, I've just lost the text there, somebody said, yeah, and they promised that the local property tax was going yeah. to be ring-fenced as well. Yeah. People just don't trust them. Of course we don't trust them. And you know full well, we all know full well, it won't be ring-fenced. And even if it is ring-fenced, for when? For develop, for, for investing when? Like, we need we need action now. Yeah. We don't need to put two cents on a litre of petrol now, which is, nobody's going to stop driving their car because of two cents a litre, let's be honest. So everyone's going to keep driving cars. The government are going to make more money. 
and they're going to turn people off the environmental issue, which is an issue that affects everybody. We are going to be under pressure with the air that we breathe and the water that we drink in the relatively short-term future, and the government is doing nothing. It's kind of like they're sitting there in Leinster House and saying, well, we're, we're going to scold these bold children because they voted green in the last election. Now let's see if they're willing to pay for it. They are just so small-minded, and it is just... Am I in favour of carbon tax? Absolutely not. Well, a no. cash grab is how, how a lot of people are well said straight away has come in by somebody on text. OK, let me get straight into questions uh, for Peter, including a listener who sent on a photograph which I showed Peter as he entered the studio saying, Hi Patricia, I came across this in my neighbour's garden. How do you how do you care for it and what height will it go, growth to? That's from Tess. And it looks lovely. It's orangey ready. Isn't it a fabulous looking plant? Gorgeous. Really fantastic looking. Mind you, don't be, uh, don't be inclined to touch it. Because okay. if you put your hand in there, you, it'll be no problem putting your hand in. But when you try and take your hand out, there's barbs on the side of the leaf. It'll Whoa. cut your hand. Do be careful. It's a thing called fascicularia. Fascicularia bicolor. It's a mouthful of a name, more commonly referred to as monkey's bum. And I remember, <laughs> I'm sure I've told you this story years ago, uh, when I was working in Dunsand, when I had Dunsand Garden Centre, and going back now a long time, maybe 15, 20 years ago, uh, and a lady came and asked me, she said, um, do you have any monkey's bum? Well, I looked at her a bit, a bit clearly, I'm afraid, because yeah. I had no idea what monkey's bum was. But anyway. And I can is, see why it's called You can now, bum, yeah. yeah. So anyway, to, to answer the question, how you care for it is leave well alone, because it seems to be thriving. The, the What you're seeing in the photograph there, I'm sure you'll put it up on your Facebook page, I'll we put will. it up on mine there so people can see it. It's the centre that's the flower, the red, le- the red around it isn't the flower, it's the leaves change to that red colour. It's, I'm guessing in nature, the fact that the leaves change is to draw attention to the pollinators, that the pollinators will come in uh, and, and, and feed in it. Um, it's not going to get big in terms of height. There's no height at all, really. A mature fasciculari would be certainly less than two feet. Uh, no, it can spread, the, the, the diameter can spread to a few feet, but it's quite easy to propagate. It's quite so easy. So it'll go it, out rather than yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. It goes out rather than up. But just be careful if you're working with it. It, it will it'll cut, cut your hand. It'll cut that. Yeah. It looks gorgeous. It's full of the autumnal colours, which is just, it's looking gorgeous at the moment some of the roadsides yeah, with the just, Cork Mallow Road is just oh, gorgeous it just takes my breath away yeah. every time I drive through it uh, Barry says hi Peter my or- ornamental crab trees have no apples and they don't look too healthy this year they're about five years old all other trees are fine what would you suggest I do says uh, Barry well, according to Pascal O'Donoghue, we should pay more carbon tax. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'll leave that one go now. I'll leave that one go. <laughs> but no, uh, very possibly what the problem is there is, I'm not being deliberately facetious, is the lack of pollinators, the lack of bees. These are the real, prob- real problems facing us. Um, it, you could try certainly pruning it, and we're coming into November next month, obviously, and that is the right time to prune a crab apple. So prune it in November. Um, question that I would have for the caller is did it flower because obviously if it didn't flower it'll never fruit so it's not the pollinators so if it didn't poll- if it didn't flower pruning it in November should help to promote more of these fruiting spurs which will flower first and then develop into fruits also come springtime next year March, April maybe give it a feed with something like sulphate of potash or a good organic tomato food I know Gouldings do a good organic tomato food or the nature safe liquid is another one something that's high in potassium and phosphorus to to help promote flower buds if it flowered and didn't develop fruits and it has in the past well then I would say yeah it probably is down to the, the, the scarcity of bees Wow uh, Veronica says Jas Peter should I prune new roses they were only planted this year You should prune them but I wouldn't be in a mad rush to prune them um, 
if the flowers are gone off, you could trim them back, certainly. But I'm still, as I was saying to you last week, Trish, I'm still enjoying the roses yeah, in my so garden. They're so looking fabulous. They're looking at their best, in fact, this, at the moment. But anyway, so as the flowers go, you could certainly trim them back and you'll probably get more flowers if, the, if it stays mild. Uh, and I wouldn't give them their, their main prune, their serious haircut, if you like, until kind of just about the end of February. And... They will respond well to pruning, and when you're pruning them, prune them back quite hard, I would say even to within a foot of their life. Um, even a new one. Even a new, new one, one yeah. yeah. And what you're trying to do when you're pruning is you want to uh, prevent congested growth in the centre of the plant, so you want to prevent crossing branches. So always prune to a bud that's kind of pointing out from the centre. Oh, that's clever. Uh, yeah. that, that's really all you need to worry about okay Uh, question for Peter I've got tomatoes growing in pots uh, out in the garden they're green what can I do to uh, bring them in I would say at this stage because it is getting cold like there has been a few mornings now where it's been very cold and if we get if we get a frost overnight it'll just turn them to mush so I would say bring them in and either make green tomato tomato chutney isn't it I've never had it because I don't like it but um, uh, or just keep them in on your windowsill in the kitchen and put them next to a banana that'll help them to ripen and it it does Uh, Tim says could you ask Peter is it too late to plant grass seeds the textbook answer I would say no it is okay. too, sorry. Yeah, yes, it is too late uh, because the best month to do it is either September or March when the temperatures are still warm enough. As we go into October, we become more and more at risk of frost. Which you know, if you put down grass seed today and we got a frost tonight, it would kill the grass seed. But more likely is your grass seed will germinate. We will get a frost uh, before it's old enough to manage itself. It won't kill the grass at that stage, but it will lead it to becoming yellow for the first few months and it won't germinate as well as possible. So the textbook answer is no. However, (laughs) on saying all that, if it was me, I would. If you've prepared the ground, if it's ready for grass seed, seed it. Worst case scenario, if we get a harsh winter, it will be a bit yellow next spring. It'll come on. And it isn't isn't very cold at the moment. Certainly not at the moment, no. No, it's really not. Uh, John, this is this from John. I just stuck a tree branch which had broken off in the wind with no root, just stuck it into the ground. Would you believe it started to grow? There's a leaf come on the top. How is that possible? Well, I would, of course, believe it because nature is is amazing. It's magic. Um, What's happened there is the food reserves in the stem have just opened the leaf, which was going to happen anyway. So Ah. the xylem xylem is still going up uh, into into the, the leaf, so it's opening it. It hasn't, if he's just put it in and it's opened within 24 hours, that's what's happened. It hasn't magically mm. grown roots yet. However, if he did happen to, to if, if the base of that stem is happens to be at a node, which is a leaf bud, where a leaf bud meets the stem, then it, it's very possible it will develop buds. It'll grow. Yeah, it's mm. very possible. You'll, you'll or like, will develop roots. You'll so. have a little tree. Uh, Philip says, can, you see, can seeds from flowers be planted now in greenhouses or in a tunnel? For example, geraniums. It seems hard to get pink geranium seeds. Thanking you. Um, okay, there's two parts to that question, actually, because yes, they can. Uh, you can start them off in glass houses now. Uh, or you could wait till next spring. Certainly if you're starting them off now, keep them indoors until, I would say, next May or June, until all risk of frost is passed next year. But you could start them off indoors now. But the second part of that question is, um, sorry, I wouldn't do that for all my plants, but for geraniums, yes. But for okay. for the hard, the annuals and stuff, no. I, the, for the, the tender annuals, I would leave it till the spring, certainly, because you don't want them too far advanced too early. So leave them till the spring, but for your geraniums now. But the second part of the question, pink geraniums can be hard to get. If you're getting seeds, particularly if you've collected seed yourself from a pink geranium, that seed isn't guaranteed to come true to type. Yeah, Yeah. unfortunately. So if you want to be absolutely certain of getting pink geraniums, either take cuttings 
uh, and when you when you propagate vegetatively like that, it's part of the parent plant, so it'll be pink, obviously. Uh, but if you want seeds, you would be better off to to buy pink geranium seeds. Right. And are they hard to get? I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll go with her word on it. Yeah, okay. As Philip, his. his uh, hi, Peter. Looking for advice on roadside screen. I don't want the maintenance of a hedge. Could you recommend any trees non-shedding, preferably with horn beams? Be horn suitable? beams are gorgeous. Now, that's a difficult question to answer when you like because you want roadside screening but without the maintenance of a hedge which I understand but trees will get tall obviously so depending on which tree you go for hornbeams will get very tall but they are a stunning native tree they will shed they are deciduous they will drop their leaves Um, you could you could if you wanted something evergreen that doesn't shed you could look like at a a laurel or Portuguese laurel and just don't maintain it as a hedge or you you know just let it do its normal thing and it'll develop into a small tree either one or you could grow you could get them where they already are grown as standards which means there's a clear stem of a couple of metres and then you all the growth up on top so they would be evergreen and and therefore they don't shed or certainly not all in one go Um, there are other evergreen options like holly and things like that which you don't have to maintain as a hedge and they won't shed hornbeam as a Yes, it's beautiful, but it will get quite tall and it will drop its leaves. Okay, and finally, can you plant hedging now? Yes, you, you can actually plant hedging at any time of the year if it's grown in pots or containers. You can grow 12 months of the year. But what we're doing, what we're, we're, part of the year we're coming into now is what we call the bare root season. Probably a bit early yet to get bare root plants. Bare root plants are plants that have been lifted in the nursery. They've been grown in a field. They haven't been grown in pots. They're lifted out of the ground, which can only be done when they're dormant, which is when the leaves are gone. So it's another few weeks Best yet. Best way for planting a hedge. It is, really. Yeah. So I would say from November to February, bare root hedging. All other times of the year, pot-grown hedging. Okay. Are you busy? Up the walls. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks be to God. All right. Long may that last yeah. you. Listen, it was a pleasure to have you in studio. Thank you for that. And Thanks, uh, we'll chat you again next week. That is uh, Peter Dowdle at theirishgardener.com. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Ball McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. And we're back with you tomorrow at uh, 10 o'clock. On to then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Have a very good afternoon.